Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today, back in the studio, I'm with my gorgeous friend, Lissy Turner. How are you, mate? I'm so good. How are you, Danny? I'm good because I'm looking at your beautiful face. Oh, I was just going to say, you always look like a glow worm. Look at you, just radiate sunbeams out of all of your orifices. I love it. <laughs> is it my bright red face? Is it because my face is red? No, it's just you've got to glow. Is yeah. there something you're not telling me? No, it could be you've got a bit of pregnancy glow. Oh, God, no. Far out. No, no, no. Ash had the snip. Oh, good on ago. him. Mm. Good on him. I actually heard a story a few years ago from a couple that we know and she was going in to have the tubal ligation. Like, and I was just like, what, what, why? That is invasive. Like he can just go in and just get a little. little haven't, haven't we done enough? Haven't we done enough? Mm. Anyway, I found it really difficult to digest and I were, we were over there for lunch and I became quite an uncomfortable lunch guest. <laughs> I, I made things awkward because oh. I was mad. You got all up in up in his grill. Well, it's just my contempt was visible. <laughs> well, good. You probably <laughs> need to see that contempt. It's just like my, you know, Shane, my husband. I mean, he's pretty extraordinary. He's a bit of a superhero. Mm. But he got the little zzz, got his little zzz after, you know, about two weeks after our last child was born. And he taught yoga that afternoon. 
was just oh like, my god ash could not he had the big swollen black balls oh he and... had big black balls but he still went to yoga <laughs> ash can get out I was of like, bed come on, come on. You're true. <laughs> no i didn't do that but he was just like i'm fine i'm good Wow. Carry these big balls around with me and I'll do a yoga class. I just won't move. I'll just sit here, rest them on my meditation seat. Good to go. <laughs> with your peas, with the bag of peas. <laughs> Far out. Okay, sorry, everyone. Listen to that. <laughs> it's all relevant. It's all relevant. Um, so the reason I have you back on today, I received a message. Oh, it was probably about a month ago. And I'm just going to read it. It's from a, a person named Joe, And Joe said, hey, Danny, just like... Just love your show and your talks with Sam Brown. How about an episode on drinking or not and perimenopause? I gave up drinking to deal with perimenopause symptoms, insomnia mainly, but also menopausal rage. It's a thing. Anyway, would love to get your take on it. So the reason I think that's fantastic. I know nothing about any of this stuff. So I thought who better to ask because you're like the hormones lady. You're, you're <laughs> there's so many things. You you dissolve patterns. You like you're an amazing broadcaster. You're an amazing speaker. And you're also like the, the hormones lady. I do love a bit of learning about hormones. And to be completely honest, it's only been a relatively short journey in, you know, my, my adult journey of learning. Really about the last, I think I started with a friend of mine, Talia Minot. We started living harmoniously, our company, about mm, six or seven years ago. She actually came to me and she said, this is my idea. I think we need to uh, focus on the education of women because just like you're saying, you're a woman and saying, I know nothing about this, but you're actually living and breathing in every single second of female hormonal existence. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that you do know, but we've just been diverted. Our attention's just been continuously diverted over there. And the knowledge around all of this stuff was, of course, in those masculine dominated spaces of medicine and research was had no relevance, had no interest. And worse than that, actually, when men of, you know, say talking of like Aristotle's era, were discussing the female form, it was in such a derogatory way. Aristotle described, you know, the female reproductive system as the inferior uh, inverted version of a man's. And I just hear that and I just think, how can putting all the soft, sensitive stuff on the inside be inferior to having it all hanging out on the outside, <laughs> flapping in the breeze with on complete a, vulnerability. On your meditation pillow. On your meditation pillow. Like great for a vasectomy because it's easy access. But, you know, so this is the language okay. that set in motion a lot of the lack of knowledge or that absence for women in not knowing their own body. So if you're listening and you're feeling bad, because a lot of women do, they come to a point in their life where they realise they don't know very much about their own bodies, certainly about their own hormonal fluctuations, and they feel bad, but you are absolutely not alone. Right. That's amazing. Thank you. And for anyone that's listening now and thinking this is going to be a man-hate session, it's not because that could... <laughs> no. It's not. But also, if you're a man, don't turn off. I know if you're going to go, oh, no, I'm going to go listen to Joe Rogan instead. Stay tuned because, as you said earlier, Lissy, like if you know a woman, if you know any woman... Or if you're going to even interact with a woman. <laughs> even down at Coles. Absolutely. Stay tuned in. It's really important that you said that because I had to say that about that medical, that sort of misogynistic medicalization of the woman's journey because it's important for everybody sure. to know. But sure. unless 
you are Aristotle listening right now or if you've been directly responsible in that rhetoric or even if you have, like, still stay, just stay. Mm. Because you also, as a man or a woman or a male or a female, to put it more scientifically rather than gender-based, you are, in all of your actions every single day, you are hormones. In Mm. fact, everything that was created in this whole world by humans is the result only of the conversation between glands and muscles. That's all. Ooh, it sounds so gross. I know, right? So here's humans. We just think we're so fabulous. But really all of our greatest achievements just come down to glands and their relationship with muscles. So the glands release a hormone and that sets the muscles into actions mm-hmm. and then that initiates all of the organ function and then we can do a thing. We right. can do a thing. So knowing our hormones, whether you're male or female, no matter how you identify from a gender perspective, is so important for mental health. Mm. So important for mental health because the hormones are constantly affecting our emotional space. Right. And if you don't know that, mm-hmm. you think you're mad yes. or you think you're depressed or you think you're anxious or hypervigilant or there's something wrong with you. But if you can understand, oh, hang on, my hormones might be doing this or the alcohol that I'm drinking is having this impact on my hormonal system and this is the result, it almost allows you to move away from it a little bit, like to have that larger view so you're zooming out to be able to go, oh, hang on, this is not me just caught up in my own mental breakdown here. My hormones are being affected and hormones absolutely impact emotions. They are intricately interwoven together. Yeah. Well, they are the kind of juice that fires the emotion, are they not? That's my understanding. Is it's it beautiful to put things like that, though, because that's all we really need to understand is that there's the, it's, it works both ways. The emotions impact the hormones and the hormones impact emotions. It's really, yeah, underst- wow. it's really important to understand that that is a feedback loop. So stop me if I go too far into these technical spaces because you know that I love it. And in fact, if I can just point to, I, I did do the vagina conversations as, as you have done as well, Danny. Mm-hmm. And my last one that I did, which is called, I think something like, was my vagina dead? Is yes. a lot about perimenopause. And the one before that was very much about the cycles, um, which I can't remember what that's called. But if you Google, you find it and it gives this understanding of all of these phases and all of the intricacies, hopefully in a pretty funny and fun way. I love that. I love that last one you did. And I'll put it in the show notes. And, you know, if people are listening and thinking hormones sounds boring, she does flash her tits. (laughs) (laughs) I do. That's right. There's some tit flash. <laughs> They're very little tits, though. They're very so. You might just need to have your glasses on if you if you want to catch it. If you actually do want to catch a glimpse or a magnifying glass. I thought they were beautiful tits, actually. Which is amazing because you were sitting in the like the the back row and I could of still the see theater. Them. Yep, and I saw them. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I feel <laughs> validated. Right. So okay, I'm I'm you know, tell me about this conversation. Is it going to get like too? technical is it are we going to lose me because i'm not good with that all right okay so this is good because if i lose you yeah you're gonna you're going to say what the hell are you talking about i'll do this one (laughs) (laughs) don't get offended don't let it hit your stuff okay Right. So, no, I won't. I won't. I'll try and make it as juicy as I can. So the just to have a basic understanding of the endocrine system, right? This is where... Which the, is the hormone system. The hormonal system. And it's... it's <laughs> shit! 
I don't know how I can make this part of it any juicy. And you go, I love it. So the endocrine system, it affects all of the organs in the body. It pretty much affects every single cell in your entire body. So stay awake, stay awake with me, okay? So because it is, it's participating right now in you being able to have this conversation, for you to be able to sit up in this chair, for you to be doing all the things that you're doing. So there's components of these glands in the hormone system. There's the pineal gland, which we'll reference very quickly because um, menopause, there's a significance around looking after the pineal gland because a lot of perimenopausal and menopausal women struggle with sleep. So we've really got to just make sure that we're doing the best that we can with sleep. Well, that's what Joe was saying too. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Like, what? Well, so the the only thing that science knows about the pineal gland really at this stage, whereas yoga people often refer to it as the third eye mm-hmm. center, but what science understands about the pineal gland is that it releases melatonin. So it's which is called the hormone of darkness. <laughs> it's like the emo hormone, right? right? So right. it's what helps you sleep. Sleep, yeah. So the pineal gland is very sensitive to light and dark, mm-hmm. which is why there's all these conversations around not being on a device. So something that's backlit leading up to bedtime, because what you're doing is shining a light on the pineal gland. Like obviously it's going in through the eyes, but that's the message that the pineal gland is receiving to say it's still daylight. If you want your pineal gland to release melatonin, you have to be in the dark. And not just take it from the jar like I've often done. (laughs) And there's not a lot of evidence to show that 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 really works. True. But then again, I believe very strongly in people's personal experiences. So if it's working for you, fantastic. And we've seen it work with some of our um, some of the younger people that we work with who are quite agitated. Whether that's a placebo effect or genu- genuinely mm. physiological, it doesn't matter. If it's working for you, fantastic. If it works, it works. And I know as you get, I do know this that as you get older, your melatonin decreases, right? So because the whole system is slowing down for a woman in terms of the endocrine system moving into or transitioning through perimenopause to menopause. Let me just finish the part on the pituitary gland and the relationship between the emotions and hormones. So the next gland down, so more sort of if you you were at your nostrils and you drew a line back towards your ears and then drilled into the centre of your brain, you'd be there. That's where your pituitary pituitary gland would be, sitting there right inside the limbic system of the brain. So this is where you get this neuroendocrine relationship, so between the nervous Mm. system and your endocrine system, which is a very important relationship. What that does is it allows you to have a doorway between the external world Mm -hmm. and the internal world for then the hormone system to calibrate accordingly. Mm -hmm. So obviously the limbic system is what's taking in everything that's coming in from outside and it's giving you this sensation. So the nervous system's telling you whether this is a fight or flight situation in the sympathetic nervous system or a tend and mend situation Mm -hmm. in the parasympathetic nervous nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's coming in from the limbic system. What the hell is going on in my outside world? Mm -hmm. And then the pituitary gland is sitting right up in that. It's Mm -hmm. right up in that space. So it's intricately linked so that then the message What's happening in the outside world can make its way to the pituitary gland and it can calibrate the hormonal system accordingly. So if you need to fight or flight, it needs to send a message to the adrenal glands that you need some extra cortisol. You need to respond because the sympathetic nervous system. Stress hormone. Yeah, the stress hormone. That's right. 
So it's the first line of defense against a stressor. So that's why. So you have an experience. It's going to give you an emotional response. That emotional response, like, you know, the sweaty palms, heart palpitations, you know, dry mouth, and then all the feelings that can come with that, that then communicates with the pituitary gland. And then that sends the messages down to all the relevant glands about what to do. Now, whether that's a cuddle or whether that's a fight, whether that's you needing to run, whether that's you needing to sleep, whether that's you hearing music or listening to a poem or watching a movie, it is happening 100% of the time, all the time, except really when you're in the most deepest of sleeps, something because the limbic system is shutting down to some degree in that space. Wow. So it's like... The, the it receives a message from the limbic system. It's like it's the limbic system's coming along with a little letter almost to say, Oi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Respond. And then it says, okay, I'm gonna respond this way and then That's right. The, the limbic system is exactly the messenger. And then the endocrine system has to respond accordingly to that. So then the loop goes the other way. So if you have something pathological going on in your uh in your endocrine system anywhere so just say you have an issue with your ovaries. So somebody might have a, a, a cyst on their ovaries, something that's impacting their hormones from within. That message is traveling up to the pituitary gland and that's having an impact then on the hypothalamus. So that part of the limbic system that relates to the pituitary. So that's having a, then the pituitary becomes like a messenger for the hypothalamus. And then that has an emotional response because the hypothalamus is the emotional center of the brain. So when the pituitary is getting a message from one of the other glands up the body, you know, whether it's the ovaries or whether it's the thyroid or the adrenals, something's not right, we're going to feel that emotionally because of the location of the pituitary gland in the hypothalamus. Are you still awake? Just. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got me. No, I'm with you. Okay, so now how are we relating this to alcohol? Right. So we can get really, really technical on this because there have been many studies done, which is great to see because a lot of studies about the relationship between anything in a woman's body has been relatively absent. Mm -hmm. But because it relates to both men and women, there's been a lot of research done around alcohol's effect on the hormonal system. Mm -hmm. And I think really the only thing that I need to specifically say about that is that alcohol through all of the studies and all of the research is the great disruptor. It is the great disruptor of the hormonal system. And when you think that that hormonal system is playing a part in every single action in your whole life and alcohol is the great disruptor of the hormones, what does that tell you about your life? And some of this stuff is so... It's really... like I, I, it almost brings me to tears in the knowledge gathering that I've had over the last few years around alcohol's impact. Say a prepubescent person, so a very young person, prepuberty, is drinking, particularly a female, that can decrease this potential of their estrogen production and then delay menstruation. So delay their onset of puberty. That onset of puberty is already sort of a bit of a mystical, magical phenomenon as to when each female will be ready to start Mm -hmm. having that first bleed. Mm -hmm. Then already you've got young people who are inserting something into their bodies that's disrupting what kind of sets the rest of their 
cycling life in motion. So on a very subtle level, it's impossible to know how by pushing something back like that, by impacting both the starting time as well as the quality of that Mm. cycle, it's impossible to measure the impact of that, how it ripples through the rest of the life. Then alcohol is also known to impact at that age, at that early age, the release of growth hormone, particularly in the night time for juveniles. Wow. So when you're in significant releases of growth hormone phases like puberty, you know, anyone who's spent any time around somebody going from childhood to adolescence, you can visibly almost watch them grow. Mm. Then you insert something like a great disruptor like alcohol, which can inhibit the release of the necessary growth hormone, particularly in the nighttime in juveniles. You have long-lasting life impact of both the hormonal system in terms of cycling for females and in growth. So, you know, that's just one example Mm. of hormones as as alcohol as the great disruptor. It's actually disrupting your potential to become who you're meant to become. And that's not not questionable. Like Mm. that's all the science is there. And it's funny... About that, you know, the research is showing that, you know, from 24 years of age, then it's okay to some degree. But really, at 24 years of age, do we then want to be going, all right, I'm comfortable now with being less than my fullest potential. Great. I'm 24. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with being a little more shit than I otherwise could be. Mm -hmm. You know, so we need to be questioning those things as well. But we're also pushing up a whole, the whole, we're pushing up against the whole ocean of cultural narrative. But it is changing because of people like you and people who are so happy to talk about the fucking awesomeness of sobriety. And then that has to, and you know what? I have so much hope for young people. I see, you know, obviously I've got several teenagers in my life and then all of their teenage friends. And I mean, they are so empowered. And yes, they're anxious and they're scared and they're depressed because of, you know, all of the dystopian thinking with the future and. But they are strong and they are so much making such smarter decisions than what we, well, what I was oh, making they, at their age. I know. Yeah, my daughter Sunny said to me the other day, um, she's like, oh, she was feeling anxious about something that was happening. And God, I talk about her all the time in this podcast. She's going to kill me. But she did love say, it. she did say, mum, I gave myself, I said, so what did you do to calm yourself down? Because she was maybe bordering, borderline going into an anxiety attack. She said, I gave myself a hug. And told myself I was doing a great job. Oh, she's oh, so beautiful. Oh my god, so good. It's amazing. So These proud. concepts, they were so far. They, I mean, well, they certainly weren't on my radar. Oh my fucking god, not even close. To just turn in towards yourself and just go, you're enough. You're great. You're amazing. Yes. Give yourself a hug. Oh my god, if I could have done that. Ooh. Anyway, we're digressing. All right. So the other thing that I just want to say about that long-term effect, where. You, teenagers and young people are are drinking at these early ages is that you know the sex hormones the disruption to puberty and the menstrual cycle growth hormone there's also a lot of other effects like the sex hormones testosterone estrogen and progesterone they do lots of other stuff too you know they give us drive they uh, promote bone density they increase muscle mass there's all of these other functions that those sex hormones, those reproductive hormones play. So if we want to look at it at a whole body level, it's not just about what will happen to my 
reproductive system mm. because the endocrine system works as a symphony, as a whole. It's not mm. isolated in any way. And as I said right at the beginning, it touches every single cell. And when I reflect on that, I sometimes, you know, there can be those moments where I just think, oh, my God, my body, this is not the body that I would have had if I didn't spend two and a half decades, three decades on the piss. Mm. This is not the body I would have had. Mm. But, so you're not getting too down or depressed if you're listening, thinking about that same thing. It also then, because of the trouble that it takes you into, tapping into knowing that the human body is extraordinary. And a lot of the stuff, not all of it, that I'm going to say, a lot of it you can recover from. This early years of drinking, not so much because you're setting in place the framework of your body for your life. So that's Mm -hmm. quite different. Mm -hmm. But it becomes, it needs to become, so rather than get caught up in being a bit bummed out by your stupid, shitty decisions of just, you know, literally marinating yourself in poison for however many years, (laughs) you know, that you, you use that as the motivation for amazing change. To just go, and you know what I say, what I can see is that there's no way I would be this committed to my health Mm. if it wasn't for fucking it up so much along the way. So that's the flip side. Yes. Is that my body might not be the same body that I would have had had I not marinated it in ethanol for however many years. But Mm. it's a different form of healthy body because of the motivation that's come from drinking too much and then all of the agony that can come from that and all of the suffering and then all of the processing and the building of self-belief that has to come yeah. from there. Yeah. Would, but I digress. <laughs> but, you know, I feel the same. It's just like, well, you know, we can get down on ourselves about it or we can look back and go, wow, that actually got me here. And if it wasn't for that and all that crap that I went through and all that kind of mental health shit – and I wouldn't be here right now. That's um, right. Exactly. Yeah. And we need to look at all the challenges like that. But if we're talking specifically about the effect of alcohol on our hormones, mm. it continues from puberty, obviously, you know, how it disrupts as we as we grow. So for women who are uh, social, uh, moderate or, or heavy drinkers, there is absolutely a proven connection between the menstrual cycle um, which can cause problems with ovulation, um, f- with the, um, the the follicle being able to release the egg. So it can cause a lot of problems with conception, wow. um, mm-hmm. irregularity in the menstrual cycle um, because it's disrupting those fundamental hormones. So women are, or couples, I should say, because conception is a, a, a couple's project can also be a singles project Um, but if there's two people working on that conception together both people need to work on it to ensure that the health of their hormones for that conceptions for their sperm and their egg is of the highest quality it can be alcohol has a pronounced impact on the capacity to not just conceive but also on the capacity to maintain that gestation Mm. so a spontaneous termination of a pregnancy by the body is quite high percentage wise um quite a lot higher in women who drink than women who don't wow that must be heartbreaking and probably that's going to be hard for some people to hear if they've gone through 
a few miscarriages and things if they've been a heavy drinker but absolutely yeah. it is but it but this is why the importance of having the conversations can't be understated so yes. not turning this towards feeling shitty about any decisions that you've made because you know what the narrative hasn't been there Yes. It hasn't been there. I mean, we know things now, and in retrospect, it seems pretty obvious. But when the narrative is telling you something completely different, that something's fine, it's legal, it's culturally accepted broadly, everybody's doing it, you know, like doesn't even matter sometimes their sort of moral code, their religious code or nothing. Alcohol has made its way into almost all places. So what message does that send to us as young people? Is that like, okay. Well, everybody's doing it and, and you look to the world around you to learn, to, mm. to then to mimic because you want to try and fit in and belong and work it all out. So you don't know. You don't. So we need to have the conversations now, not to feel shame for actions of the past because then we didn't know, but to be able to share the information as we go along and to make better choices for our own bodies. But also, Lissy, like even hearing this conversation, like I would not have known that – you know, being like a, a drinker would have an effect on not just conception. Well, conception makes sense, but even to be able to carry the baby, like, whoa, I didn't know that. Because it has a relationship, as soon as you have anything having an impact on any hormone, it has a ripple effect through right. all of the system. Makes sense. So even if you're just talking about the reproductive hormones like testosterone, estrogen and progesterone, of course, if they have different um, ratios, they affect each other, but then they extend out to other parts of the endocrine system, particularly the adrenals, because cortisol has a very close relationship with the reproductive hormones as well. And then if you end up with a body that is overproducing cortisol because you're overstimulating, so alcohol is one of the overstimulants or a stimulant of the endocrine system. So if you're overproducing cortisol, because your nervous system and your endocrine system, your pituitary gland is overstimulated, then that's corrosive to the rest of the system because adrenal, like cortisol is not meant to be consistently running at high mm. levels through our body. Mm. It is there for a, a acute reasons for short bursts to fight or flight mm. or otherwise just tend and mend where cortisol is not required. So then if you've got an elevation then in cortisol, it's going to also be affecting testosterone progesterone and estrogen, which then has all of those other ripple effects that we've talked about. So if you're mm -hmm. going to be impacting progesterone, which is the progesterone means pro-gestation. Mm -hmm. It's for that. the baby. Right. So yes. shall we rewind a little bit and just come to the four phases? Because I think this is really helpful. So this is again... If you if you're still if you're a man and you're still here, just please hang in here. Hang and, in and here. And good on you. Like yeah, if you're a man, you. let us know. Like say I'm a man. Like send us a message, either Lissy or myself, and I got to you know whatever minutes we're up to, <laughs> and we are going to like shower you with love <laughs> because it so impacts you, right? Mm. Like if you're a man or a woman, as I said before, we are glands and muscles. So hormones, the glands release the hormones. And muscles. That's what we are. That's how we do this human life in this body. Mm. The mind is driving us to all different types of actions and motivations and whatever. But in order to do those actions and live a life, we are glands, i.e. hormones and muscles. So if you're a man and you're still listening, I am going to talk specifically about the female four phases of the menstrual cycle. But I invite you to just stay. 
just hang in here because again, like Danny said in the beginning, if you interact with women in any way, this information is so important for you because it will be life changing for you. You'll all of a sudden have these penny drop moments of like, oh, right. And so not only can you understand, but you can also assist. So you can assist the women in your life at different times because you have greater understanding and be supportive. So the four phases of the female ovulation cycle. Can can I just say something? Sorry, I have to interrupt. You're so excited over there. (laughs) (laughs) Your your eyes are glistening. You've got this smile and you're just, you're so alive. (laughs) I don't know where this passion ignited. I do because it is like, I guess because it's embodied in me how it's changed me to understand myself, even though I'm still a shithead all the time. Like even... (laughs) after all these years of knowledge of just still being so immersed in your own cycle that you can't see it uh-huh. and then going later like, oh, my God, like <laughs> I still couldn't ride out that phase with keeping my big mouth shut mm-hmm. even though I know better. So anyway, it's okay. very exciting. It's very practical and I get very excited about the practical. So the four phases of what I call the ovulating cycle, often known as a menstrual cycle, but menstruation only happens as a consequence of ovulation Mm -hmm. so when conception doesn't happen then we're releasing that egg and then we need to release all the endometrium that comes with that and then we menstruate but it's called the menstrual cycle i suppose because it was more easy to study Mm -hmm. so the first phase in the cycle i do it differently is not menstruation so a lot of the time you'll hear menstruation spoken about as the first phase in the cycle But it's the end. It's the consequence. It is the beginning of the next phase as well, but it's a result Mm -hmm. of ovulation. So let's start with follicular. So this is right after you've stopped bleeding. (laughs) You know, I want to go places at that (laughs) (laughs) time. So follicular phase is that, you know, you've been like under the doona, you've been in your period cave for a week or so and and just having a lot more of an internal intimate experience. It's that, and you, you might feel a little bit heavy, a little bit weighed down, you couldn't be fucked putting on any decent clothes or even brushing your hair. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's this moment where the bleed starts to wane and then estrogen starts to pick up because during menstruation, estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest. Then the estrogen starts to pick up and so does your energy. And all of a sudden you're like, pow, you're just kind of coming out. You're like, boom, look at me, like a glitter bomb. I'm getting my short shorts on. Yeah, I'm running down the beach. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, woo, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, everybody, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm amazing. <laughs> you know, you're wearing your short shorts everywhere. You won't wear them at any other time of the cycle. And it's also the time in your cycle where more than likely you purchased the short shorts. Oh, true. Because you're like, I look amazing in these. <laughs> Two weeks later, you'll be like, I'm never wearing those again. <laughs> But the follicular phase is that beautiful, really powerful self-narrative, positive self-narrative, energy level's good, emotions are good and clear, estrogen's just slowly starting to build. Then you come to ovulation, which is kind of like the peak of the mountain in terms of your hormones, the reproductive hormones in a female cycle. Ovulation, if you're like me, quite squirrely, can almost turn to mania if you don't watch it. Mm-hmm. So you've just got like all of these balls up in the air and you just can juggle them all and you're like, yes, look at me go. I'm doing it all. <laughs> if you're not aware, though, of the phase to come, it can be a very difficult week that follows ovulation because you've initiated so many creative ideas. It's all flowing. You're in flow, blah, 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 having a great time. All of the energy supported. Emotions are happy and high generally. Mm-hmm. And then without any warning, 
all those balls just fall to the floor. Mm-hmm. You wake up in the morning, you love your people when you're ovulating, you love your home, you love yourself. You're a hornbag. You're a hornbag <laughs> because the fundamental purpose of that cycle is to recreate life. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to have children or you don't want to have children, you can or you can't. The fundamental reason we have that cycle is to recreate life, make mm-hmm. babies. So you're feeling like, yeah, super lusty. Then by the end of the day, nothing's happened. Nothing situational has occurred and you're on realestate.com looking for rentals. <laughs> I fucking hate you all. Hate my house. Definitely hate my partner. Mm. My kids suck. I'm shit. Nothing's happened. Yeah. Except this tiny shift in the most micro di- dose of hormones has shifted to move estrogen down. Progesterone continues to rise for a little bit longer but estrogen starts to come down and that micro dose. So this is a good example of why alcohol causing any disruption is enormous because as women, we feel it all the time, that big emotional shift between ovulation to the luteal phase where it turns, start to come down the mountain, how, how powerfully emotionally impactful that can be. And nothing else has happened in the life, except mm-hmm. all of a sudden you start to see the reality of the shit that you annoy, that annoys you. Because you don't have that great sort of fluffy lens of estrogen there giving you the energy to tolerate Mm. what's otherwise sitting there and you're tolerating for the other two weeks that you've just come through. So highly impactful hormones on our emotional space. So So we've moved into the third phase, the luteal phase, where we're starting to get a little bit broody. Things that irritate us are more in our face. Mm. like things from the outside world, but also a lot of our internal landscape, what bothers me. Imagine that heightened with alcohol use, which is a stimulator as well as um, a disruptor. So it can get in the way of the production of certain hormones. So then other hormones have to try and compensate, but they're stimulated or disrupted as well. It's through the whole system. That week before the bleed, when you have a big bender and you do things that are you, you don't wake up feeling comfortable about the next morning and you're already in the luteal phase, you're already in that space anyway that you still feel even in sobriety, but then you've added a big bender with behaviours in it that you regret that don't meet how you want to be moving through your life. Those lows are so fucking low. Yeah, so wow. low. Mm-hmm. So really if there's any time that you're going to go and be on a bender, not that I'm promoting that, it's best to do it. <laughs> Maybe during ovulation or before rather than afterwards because the low perhaps could be lower. Wow. If we're gonna if we're gonna really refine to that, like obviously the again ideals is that that we're not, but being really the the most important thing is the awareness because mm. you're gonna drop pretty low when you're already in that dropping phase of estrogen and then your yeah. estrogen is also already disrupted just from any kind of consistent alcohol use, which can be quite minimal. The, you know, science research is saying now it's four or five drinks a week. Mm. It's not, not a day. Yeah. Four or five drinks a week can disrupt the hormonal system, the endocrine system, because it, it's, alcohol is, results in every cell and the endocrine system touches and relates to every single cell in the body. They cannot be separated from each other. So then, yes, yeah, so just being really aware of that. It's, it's hard enough to have your hormones balanced let alone, I guess then now, after hearing this conversation, I'm thinking, fuck, thank God, because I had a huge uh, hormonal, which I've talked about in the podcast once before, 
a huge hormonal imbalance where I was having had way too much estrogen and it was causing me to be really dark. I went to some really dark, dark places in my mind. And, oh, God, like I think, geez, what if I had been drinking on top of that? Because I wasn't drinking at the time. That's why it was a shock, actually, too, when I did start to feel so bad and so dark. I'm like, what is going on? And it turned out to be that. So imagine if, had I been drinking on top of that, how could that have been worse? Gee, that's scary. It's not could have been worse. I mean, absolutely. Like all the science is there to say that, you know, physiologically and physiology and emotion, as we've just talked about, is intricately, intricately linked together. Alcohol absolutely will accentuate the challenges or the fluctuations of an already fluctuating hormonal cycle. So even four drinks a week can affect that. Can have impact. Holy shit. I mean, I would reduce that down to one. Wow. Wow. Because if you talk about like, you know, the difference in, we just touched on the microdose of hormones. The reason why things like the contraceptive pill have had such an incredibly challenging effect on women since the beginning, particularly at the beginning, you know, where the doses of those synthetic hormones were so high, where the mm. synthetic levels cannot meet, they cannot be made in the types of micro doses. That is the intricate level of the intelligence of the human body. It's not possible to make them that small. So we're talking about putting synthetic hormones in the body and having enormous effect. Women, particularly 70s, 80s, 90s, and talking about you know, suicidal mm. ideology mm. and not having a connection to that place of going, this little pill that I'm taking each day is a mass, is a macro dose far beyond what my body would be giving me. Far, far, far beyond. True, really. So it's just, again, it's not this, none of this is about judgment. This is about awareness. It's not about you self judging yourself for any decisions that you've made. It's about because nobody, no one was telling women and the research was never there because there was not because the medical field was dominated by men really until the 80s. And I mean, still the proportions would be out of whack that the research just simply wasn't being done. And now, of course, the research as it's happening is very revealing and that can make, you know, if you're listening and this is making you feel sad in any way about you know, your own experiences from the past, you just can't. You can't have that sadness because you didn't know. Mm. It wasn't being looked at, yeah. but it's being looked at now. And the purpose of the conversations is just to go, is to really realise what it looks like when you soak a body in ethanol. A lot of, you know, the, the research is being done on poor little critters mm. and the impact mm. on those critters that are just fed ethanol day after day, particularly on those female lab rats, is profound in what it's doing to their delaying of... Um, puberty, for their regularity in their cycle, for their capacity to release an egg during their cycle, for their capacity to grow to their full growth. It's all it's all there. But now it's just time for change moving forwards. So mm. coming to perimenopause, mm. so we can touch on Joe's message to you is so you get you've got those four you've got those four phases, mm-hmm. right? And and I've I just sorry, reversing a bit. Just finalizing the four phases. I mentioned before about, we talked about the spontaneous termination of pregnancy because of alcohol use as a, because it's a disruptor. So what happens is, so if the egg is fertilized, 
progesterone levels, progestation is progesterone. So progesterone is for the baby. Mm-hmm. It's for that growing fetus. Mm-hmm. So progesterone just continues to rise and rise and rise. And that's essential to maintain the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So if you're drinking alcohol, which is a proven disruptor to the endocrine system, if you're disrupting progesterone, progestation Mm -hmm. is no longer there. It's disrupted. That's, of course, not going to happen for all women because you might have really, you know, you might have very high levels of progesterone or you might be drinking in a way that's not enough effect. But just being aware that if you disrupt progesterone, there's no, it's not progestation anymore because that's the progestational hormone. Wow, that's incredible. And I guess, I mean, a lot of women, one would hope, wouldn't be drinking. But I guess at the start, like I found out I was pregnant with both of my girls when I was wildly hungover. And yeah, so I'd been drinking. How was- many pregnancies have happened because we've been wildly pissed exactly and that's when we've fallen pregnant you know that's a lot that's so absolutely this is you not knowing that you're pregnant yeah and I actually remember this is interesting too because I remember my doctor saying to me don't worry about it because it's not connected to your bloodstream yet so it doesn't matter but now I'm hearing this conversation and thank god the girls are fine and they you know carried them to term but um Wow, you know, gee. So what the doctor I'm sure is referring to is that there's a lot of protective mechanisms around that growing embryo. Absolutely. But we know all the all the science and, and I think even the layperson knows now that alcohol is one of the things that does cross that that barrier and you have terrible things, you know, mm-hmm. like fetal alcohol disorder and syndrome, which is profound effect on the fetus, um, which is high levels of continued drinking or even moderate levels of continued drinking throughout a pregnancy because it has the same effects on the baby's hormonal system that mm. we're talking about mm-hmm. as would have effect on the, on the mum. Yeah. So there's lots of, there's lots of things in that. So coming to Joe's mm. message to you, in regards to perimenopause and then menopause. So imagine like we've talked about the four phases and that's just to give some context because when you go into perimenopause, which is defined as the, or the beginning of it is defined as the irregularity of your once regular cycle. Mm. So your cycle, however it was, starts to become irregular. So that's sort of the defining scientific way. But again, I would challenge that and say that once again, just simply the tactile nature of being able to see the bleed is being used as the methodology of mm. measurement because it's easy. Mm. But if you start to really tune into yourself, more than likely there's other symptoms of perimenopause that are coming before the cycle starts to become irregular, but the cycle will dysregulate quite quickly when the hormones start to change. So if you've got a graph of your life, you'll see this beautiful wave of your ovulating years, you know, those three or four decades of ovulation, and you'll see this, you know, beautiful wave. So where the hormones are rising each month and then they're dropping out at menstruation and they're rising and dropping out. That's the natural beautiful waves. Mm -hmm. And why as women, we are ever-changing creatures. Mm -hmm. That's what we are. We are Mm -hmm. ever-changing. It's Mm -hmm. like looking at the moon. There's no moment you look at a woman and she's ever going to be the same while she's in her ovulating years because the hormones are changing in micro doses every single moment. Mm. Then you look at a graph and I love a graph because it's so visual that you see a graph in period. such a nerd. My (laughs) God. Um, You see the graph of 
perimenopause and what's happening with estrogen and it's just this chaotic roller coaster up and down and up and down and up and down and all within the span of these you know can be one to ten years but it's just like up down up and these extremes of estrogen reaching higher levels than you've ever reached at any other time of your life and dropping out to lower levels than you've experienced Mm. but it's sort of like if you took your monthly cycle and you turned up the volume on every component of that and then squished it all together, then you've got perimenopause. So there's a lot of shit going on. So you imagine like all of the phases that I described, but it's just happening like boom, 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 day in, day out, day in, day out. Just hideous. <laughs> but, you know, I love perimenopause, so it sounds hideous, but there's a lot of great stuff so in there. you like super horny one day and then super like, you know, I'm going to kill everyone the next. So I love that you brought that up because I just did put a post up on on the Living Hormoniously Insta a few days ago that said it asked the question, more sex in menopause. But menopause is kind of the umbrella title to the whole experience. But we'll come to that. But the answer is absolutely yes, you can have a higher libido during perimenopause because you do have these higher moments of, of estrogen, absolutely. Mm. But then that, you know, that moment I described before as being on realestate.com slash rentals, that could come very quickly and more frequently as can you being a hornbag coming and going, mm-hmm. literally. It's so interesting. I know I've noticed in myself, like I'm still regular, but I've noticed things showing up like really sore boobs or I'm now in the last sort of six to eight months having um, like a couple of nights of quite full on insomnia before I bleed. And it's like like a week before. It's really interesting. And so I'm starting to, you know, putting on a bit of weight in places, you know, like my bum and, yeah, I'm feeling a bit, I don't know. I can feel some changes even though the the bleed is still happening regularly. Like what Joe was mentioning too, the lack of sleep. And so I don't know, is that a thing? Like is, you know, she talks about the insomnia in her text and is insomnia a part of that? And then, because I, I imagine too, then drinking on top of that as well, it's just going to exacerbate that even more. So without getting sort of too complex into breaking down all the scientific terms of how the hormonal system works, it is just so complex. All we need to understand really for any of us is that when one hormone is changing, the rest of the hormonal system will be responding in some way or another. So, of course, there's going to be a relationship or an effect on melatonin, which is the one hormone that we know that the pineal gland releases when there's these other effects through the reproductive or through the gonads, the ovaries in the case of women and the testes in the case of of men. But, of course, for women, the estrogen levels are just going up and down, up and down, up and down. So in terms of that direct connection of why melatonin can dry up, from my understanding, it's this, the, the body is working towards settling the hormonal system for a female in a different place, which becomes menopause. So menopause is clinically defined as not having had menstruation for 12 months or more. That's mm-hmm. the clinical definition of menopause. Perimenopause is a relatively new term because that transitional time had no name. Mm-hmm. So the time post-bleed And this time of wild transition that are so different to each other just all came under the one banner of menopause. So it's really great to see that they've got their own sort of distinct phases, compartments for us to be more aware of. Mm. So obviously in menopause, where we're coming to is a place where the hormones are settling Mm -hmm. at 
new, more um, consistent and steady lower levels, and then that remains for the rest of the life. So that all of that energy and effort that's put into the ovulating years and then into the fluctuations and the death throes of the hormones from the ovulating cycle in perimenopause are starting to try to wane and wash away to this new level of menopause. For some women, melatonin can be experiencing a similar thing because it's so disrupted by everything else that's going on in the body. And estrogen at these high and low levels can have profound effect on a woman across all areas of life, not just physical symptoms and physiological symptoms, but of course, emotional symptoms. And the biggest impact on sleep and melatonin other than light is stress. In fact, stress is the number one aggravating factor of any pathology in the endocrine system. Mm. Of any impact is stress. Alcohol is an overstimulant. So if you're walking around with any stress, alcohol is always going to be turning the dial up on that, even if you think it's your answer or your solution to stress. We all know as drinkers with lots of experience that that is so fleeting that in the moment when you're boozy, oh, great, all my stresses have gone. But what are they like when you come to in the morning? Mm -hmm. Fucking worse Mm -hmm. and worse and worse. And so what do you do? You have to have another glass of wine or another beer or another vodka or whatever because you're not coping with the stresses because the alcohol is removing them in a moment and then accentuating them the next So when all of these elevations and fluctuations are happening with the estrogen, it's having an emotional response for a woman. It's going to be creating potentially more emotional distress if that woman is not aware of what's happening in her body. Mm -hmm. And even like I said before with me, even when you are aware, Mm -hmm. you can still fuck it up. You can still forget that your hormonal system is under the surface having a relationship with your emotions and then bringing them to the surface of the mind. And you can forget because you're like the fish in the water that can't see the water all around it. You forget that, okay, I'm, I'm in a fluctuating system. Could this be my hormones? I just need to pause for a moment because it will pass. Mm. And then when it goes into the next phase of the estrogen moving, what does it look like then? All right, it looks a bit different. If it still stays the same, then you know you've got an issue you've got to address. But the key for for a woman to for a female to be empowered in this is one awareness and two patience just to sit with things mm. to see if it passes or to see how it looks through the transitions of the hormonal cycle to give you a a look at something from different perspectives and to see if it's consistent or whether it's hormone connected. So then this elevation, the point that I'm coming to, this elevation of things through perimenopause, again, imagining that all of those components of your cycle are now the dials turned up to 11, Mm. that has emotional impact, potential distress and stress impact if the awareness is not good to what's happening in the body. And then that's going to absolutely affect melatonin. So our capacity to sleep because it elevates stress levels. Mm. So in what do we do about it? One, obviously, I mean, obviously everything that we're talking about in this podcast is the effect of alcohol. So the removal of things like alcohol, mm. which can be very difficult, but working towards that as a goal. Mm. So if you're affected by insomnia and you want better sleep, which should be a great goal for all of us, just mm. as a fun hobby thing, 
because to improve sleep, we need to look at health across all aspects Mm -hmm. of life. Mm. We need to look at our food. We need to look at our interactions with people. We need to look at what we're reading on social media and what we're putting out on social media, the music that we're listening to, the movies we're watching, you know, the way that we're moving our bodies consciously, our breath work, our meditation, when we turn our devices off at night time, all of that stuff impacts the release of melatonin. And when we're in perimenopause, we've got all of this smorgasbord of symptoms happening. We, the way to approach it is across all aspects of life. Mm. Then you add in something like alcohol, which also disrupts the sugars in the body. And then the sugars have a relationship with all of our hormones, particularly cortisol. I don't think we need to think too much further to know how that plays out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The impact of alcohol on our sugars and our hormones, our cortisol levels, and that relationship with insomnia. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. It's really incredible, isn't it? You're thinking, you don't sort of put the two and two together sometimes. Kath Elliott, who was on my podcast a little while ago, she's a breast cancer survivor and also an amazing um, sober coach. And we were talking about the the correlation between excessive alcohol, I guess, but now no, not even excessive, just alcohol consumption and the spike in cortisol. And then that combined with increased estrogen can cause breast cancer. And they know that now. It's like it's very well known, you know, it's well documented and researched. But how many women, it's a sad thing and I don't want to be too doomy and gloomy about it, but there is a lot of, I think it's, there's a time for for all of us, men and women, to be almost like in a bit of a grieving, allow ourselves to have a bit of a grieving phase about, you know, all of the all of the women that have been lost and all of the women who have had really terrible circumstances unnecessarily. I don't I don't want to necessarily say unnecessarily because there is a bigger picture for everything and I do deeply believe that. But all of the suffering that's happened because of something like alcohol and also the not you know the the not not taking the time to research on if you're going to be doing research about any effect of anything on the body and not using even any female species in your research so you know up until however many decades ago it was they were only using male lab rats to look at the endocrine system well that's ridiculous whereas the male endocrine system is still beautiful and complex and amazing but nothing like the complexity of a female hormonal system. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear stuff like what we're just saying about cats and that relationship between the spikes in cortisol and estrogen and breast cancer, and you hear it and you're just like, and it's big and alcohol's playing such a big part of it. It's, I think it's okay for us to feel sad for a time to acknowledge all of that and then go, all right, well, what are we going to do about it now? It's, angers me now though like I hear this and I feel so fucking pissed off when you think about the women that we've lost in our lives when we think about women who have died due to domestic violence you know mostly the cause of that is alcohol the people the friends that we've lost because of the link between alcohol yet we still think it's this fucking beautiful reward and it's this romantic thing that we do it's fucking taking people out 
It's amazing, though, the speed in which the rhetoric is changing. You know, I, mm. I was just reflecting on this yesterday. A friend of mine, Christian McBride, he's such a champion, and he's sober and he's still very deeply embedded in the music industry. He's a tour manager mm-hmm. and many other things. But he put up this post yesterday on and on his on his page that is followed by all of his music industry friends and all of his tour managers about good health and about good mental health and about sobriety and all of these things. And it made me think about, I have only just found my voice in terms of my broader broadcasting of my sobriety. I was never, never, absolutely never been ashamed of it or tell anybody who asks. Mm -hmm. But in terms of being right there in the belly of the beast and going, blah, sobriety is amazing. You should do this with your health. And I was just thinking yesterday going, fuck, times have changed. Mm -hmm. Far out times have changed. And he'd like, this posted so much interaction and all these people are interacting. I know so many of them because of my life in the music industry and their tour managers. And Mm -hmm. it is changing really fast. And absolutely, I understand that anger. And I feel it sometimes too, that like, oh, and it's almost like you've got to keep a moderate voice to ensure that you can still connect with the people who are still drinking to know that your anger is at the lies that we were all sold, not at people who still drink because there's underlying oh, yeah. issues Absolutely. there to excessive alcohol intake. There's sure. underlying, and every single one of us as a community is responsible for supporting each and every one of us. We're all involved in, in all of the terrible things we see in society. We've all got to rally around the vulnerable and the disempowered and the shit adults who were traumatized children Mm. because there's something deeper underneath alcoholism than just i love to get on the piss there's something (laughs) deeper (laughs) least you're still awake i'm proud of you i'm not snoring i'm crying (laughs) but i'm not snoring um oh i know well imagine if we were all to just support one another and to you know, as you say, it's not about being angry at the people that are drinking. Fuck. They're just doing the best that they can. They're just trying to solve a problem. And sometimes you just, it's too hard to come out the other side and have to, and know that you're going to reflect. It's the mm. hardest part of all of it. And, but shining the light on all the stupid, <laughs> shitty decisions that you made is the ultimate liberation. It's the mm. ultimate liberation, you know, and, and, and being, I had this funny thought yesterday, this kind of, it was my own epiphany of going, one of the key things in life, I reckon, to happiness is becoming comfortable with awkward. Mm. So much of our shit is about the fear of being awkward, bit weird, <laughs> bit odd. But if you can become comfortable with awkward oh, God, you're just like completely free. So many of the stuff that we do is about trying to avoid being awkward. But right. if you embrace awkward, you're just like, oh, this is, it's, all, it's all good. Yeah, if you just own it. Uh, in fact, you were talking about this with um, with Jamie Milne on this um, that amazing episode you've just put out this week on the Lucy Turner Presents podcast. And Jamie's also been on this podcast and he's in our How I Quit Our Cold You are show. our connection. He's amazing. Oh, he's the best, man. And that podcast, I'm just like, oh, shit, this is amazing. So I'll post links for that too in these show notes. Um, but you're talking about when you just own your shit and then I can't remember the exact words you use, but when you just own it and like say, yes, I'm awkward or yes, I did that or I did this. No one can ever get you, you know, when you're, when you're sort of sitting there 
uh, in protection mode and like, I don't want to feel hurt. I don't want to feel awkward. I don't want to feel embarrassed. Da, 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 da. There's so many things that can come at you. But I noticed on the weekend I was down talking at this um, Bodfest, which was an amazing. It was amazing. And I was very nervous because just to be backstage with a lot of celebrities, a lot of beautiful people, in inverted commas, who were beautiful people, and, you know, makeup artists here and makeup artists that are used to working with models and all the rest of it. And I had the moment of like, what am I doing here? I'm not good enough for this. And pretty much everyone I spoke to, I just spoke that out. I didn't say it like, I feel I'm not good enough to be here. I'm just like, yeah, I'm feeling really anxious like right now. I'm just sort of just saying how I felt. And it actually, I think that was great because it kind of lowers the tone and everyone else can sort of then feel a bit more comfortable. And then I don't have to act like I'm not fucking nervous. Because I fucking am. So, so true. But you know what's something really funny about what you're saying about Bodfest? This, you'll laugh. Um, and this is not to just blow smoke up your ass because I know that's not why you're saying it, but I'm going to anyway. Right. That I saw the photo you put up and the photos that you put up on your Insta on the How I Quit Alcohol Instagram page of you at Bodfest. And I was like, my God, she's so beautiful to look at and everything else. But I'm like, she's so beautiful. And you're always like, you're so photogenic. And every time I see you in photos, I'm like, she's so photogenic and like far out. And I'm like, and instantly I went, oh, fuck, I could just never, I'm so not photogenic. And I couldn't be in that space because I'm so not glamorous. Like I instantly, you know, you make it about your own deficiencies. But I was having this you're having your own deficiencies. I'm thinking you're so amazing whilst then bringing it into my own deficiencies. And I think it's that key to remember, we're all doing that. Oh, we're all doing We're all it. going, you're amazing. I'm a bit shit, especially if you're a cycling creature. And can I just also add, I'm going to show you my camera roll when we get off because out of the one photo that I posted, <laughs> there was probably 200, which didn't make the cut. <laughs> like our photo session here last time we did a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you see, you've been there, right? So it's only, of course, the good ones that end up on the Instagram, which I should just post all the fucking terrible ones on my eyes. And I'm actually not photogenic. It's just that there has to be one good one in there. Um, but anyway, I, I digress into that. Yeah, just when we are really honest and open about how we are truly feeling, it just takes all the bullshit away. And then suddenly we don't have to go into protection mode and pretending because that's what gets us all fucked up. There's that beautiful expression, unfuckwithable. Yes. It makes us unfuckwithable when we've yes. already we, we've already trudged through, you know, the muckiest muck muck that we've got inside of us, yeah, yeah. and no one else can go. I mean, sometimes obviously people will find new ways to sting you. That's we're good. We're we're good at that. We're good at being vulnerable too in a different way and feeling some days that the that we're not as brave or courageous to take on other people's criticisms and um but it certainly broadens your capacity to do so when you've already had to look at your own shit a thousand times over because it's manifested into other problems of your life and you need mm -hmm. to dissect it all and reflect not to self-criticize or to self-flagellate but to go well all right that felt like that i don't like that where am i going where am i going now before we digress any further, I just want to touch on Joe's comment about the menopausal rage because it oh, ties, yes. you know, you talked to before about alcohol's place in domestic violence and absolutely, obviously there's stuff underneath that. There's a lot of stuff underneath it that needs to be addressed. But so many of behaviours that have reached a point, such an acute point of horror 
Alcohol is so often a tipping point that will take someone from behind the lines of what's acceptable and throw them, catapult them way over, way past that line of acceptable human interaction and behaviour. And remembering that the research is all there that talks about alcohol's long-term impact on emotional um, and social behaviour, which ties directly back into hormones Mm. because the hormones regulate emotional and social behaviour and hormones dysregulate, uh, sorry, alcohol dysregulates hormones, you can see the disruptions pretty obvious. And it's that feedback loop again. Feedback yeah. loop, that's mm-hmm. right. So the menopausal rage, just a quick prelude, the four phases I, I often refer to. So I said follicular, ovulation, luteal and menstruation. Mm-hmm. I also call them the fuck yes, fuck me, fuck off and thank fuck phases. Right? <laughs> So if you then bring it to stretch that out and put it across the four phases of life, of hormonal life, for a female, puberty, fuck yes, up for everything. The ovulating years, fuck me. Perimenopause, fuck off. And menopause, thank fuck. So you can see how this el- elastic genius. Did you thing make happens. that up? Yes, I did make did that you? up. Um, think too much about this stuff. But... <laughs> I'm also getting a lot of input from women all the time. So it becomes quite obvious Mm -hmm. how this plays out as a framework. So the perimenopausal phase, fuck off. There's a lot of, because there's so much disruption in the hormones, which means so much disruptions in in the emotional space. We need to tackle this and approach it very proactively from all areas of of life, from all of those health aspects. It's the only way to approach perimenopause, to come out to the best menopause that we can have. But there is absolutely that fuck off element. So a lot of women in perimenopause, I talk about being super confident one moment and absolutely writhing in self-doubt the next Mm. estrogen estrogen up down up down up down and all the other hormones as well but estrogen's the big one that's fluctuating super confident and then paralyzed with anxiety or self-doubt that could be worse or higher or louder than it's ever been and that's when you're going to want to well i guess both actually make might make you want to go for the alcohol but it makes sense I know definitely from my perspective when i was feeling low or not confident that's when i'd reach for the, the drink and so it makes sense perhaps, you know, because I hear a lot of women say that in during their perimenopause years, that's when their alcohol consumption increased. Do you think that could be why? Well, absolutely, because there's that, you know, that, that emotional response is we know that emotions have a relationship to, to alcohol consumption mm. without a doubt. Mm. So it's being, again, it's watchful of being that. But when you hit the low mm. points, the great thing in perimenopause is because it's so, it's so rapidly fluctuating and you know the science is there. It's it's the nature of the body that it will pass. So you just have to be patient and sit in that. Be strong and brave in those low moments to just shine a light on it, to turn toward it, not away from it, mm. and see what it's got to show you in the low points. Oh, hang on, this is my languaging about me. This is my languaging about my body. This is the languaging about my life or my life choices. Okay, that's interesting. Try to just be the curious observer in it, Mm. not be the judge and the Mm. jury, Mm. just the curious observer to turn towards the low points and just ride it out Mm. rather than reach for the bottle. Just ride it out because the science, the graph, it all tells you 
that that's going to change. And then when it does settle in terms of menopause, so when that fluctuations of the wild ride of perimenopause shifts into menopause, it becomes much more like the flatline hormonal experience of a male. Mm. And all of that energy that was going to years and years, decades of the reproductive cycle now goes into just this productive cycle. The thank fuck. Yeah, the thank fuck. Mm. So that menopausal rage is a thing because of this fluctuations, Mm. but it's generally more in the perimenopause, which is when you're still changing and fluctuating as opposed to out the other side in the thank fuck stage. For the women that I work with in that group, I can't speak from personal perspective because I'm not in menopause. I am in perimenopause, so I can speak to my own experience in that, and I am just pure evil some days. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) oh, God. And then the next day I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so... And I'm hugging my husband and I'm saying, I'm so sorry, shit. (laughs) You are amazing. I do love you. You're an awesome person and all that. All that beautiful stuff that sometimes the low points can bring us if we allow ourselves to be honest and and be kind to ourselves and those around us. But then the high point that the you know when we're in another phase can be you're just telling everybody left, right, and centre to fuck off, and you've just got to try and rein that in. Again, that comes to daily practices with consistency. But then out the other side, and knowing that the transition is to menopause, what I see in those women is just who've done the work. Such a steady groundedness. Mm -hmm. But of course, if we're drinking all the way through and that's going to be disrupting the estradiols, affecting the whole playing out of those reproductive hormones and we're coming out like imagining that the perimenopause fluctuation is like us going through this combustion filter to spit us out the other side to be the woman we're going to be for the whole second half of our life. Do we want that to be through the filter of corrupted hormonal experience through alcohol or do we want to reach our fullest potential out the other side to be everything that we were born to be, Mm. which can happen in menopause when all of the energy can be to that rather than cycling all the time. Oh, you are good. (laughs) Far out. Yes. How beautifully said. That's amazing. That's it. That's all I've got. Well, it was fucking brilliant. Good. (laughs) Didn't snore once. (laughs) I've got a long stick in the studio. Danny's sitting about two metres away, and every time she just gets a little bit of a sleepy lean, I just give her a little prod. No, I loved it. I really loved it. And it makes such perfect sense, you know, that we don't often think about the effect of alcohol, really, you know, what it's having on that, on the hormonal fluctuations. And it's a really important thing to look into. So in your course, it's coming up, The Power of Perry, which starts on... 25th of October. Is that online, by the way, or in person? It's all online. Amazing. Because that's the new world. What are people going to learn? Like, okay, if, like, what could I learn if I go into that course? What am I going to learn about, you know, obviously this stuff? You're going to learn all about you. Everything, the way that I try and frame all my courses is that it gives you lenses so you can see where you are Mm. and also where you want to be going. And in the case of Power of Perry, obviously we're going to go into more deeply the anatomy and the physiology of what's happening in the body. So that deeper understanding of what's actually going on, you'll see my graphs 
because I love them. And they're so impactful. You'll be like, it will make perfect sense straight away. There'll already be a shift just in seeing that. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense of your own confusion because most perimenopausal women who are coming in with very little awareness are like deers in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Just this, what the hell? Or they've even got a very strong terminal narrative. I'm dying. It's like you're not dying. 99% of the time, I mean, we're all dying, but you're not acutely dying in this moment. You're actually in perimenopause. Because the changes in the body, the pains and the shifts and the, the emotional changes and the temperature changes and all of these things, and every woman will experience it differently, mm. can make you feel like something terrible is going on. Like you've got an autoimmune disease or you've got cancer. or, or And it's an important time to go and get checked out because things can elevate in the health during that time. Go and get checked out, get your bloods done. But then if, when everything's fine come back to then being in the full experience of your best perimenopause. So in the course, mm. we look at movement as a tool. So how do I use movement in perimenopause to give me the best experience? Mm-hmm. Food, your fundamental dosha. So what's your fundamental constitution? So mm-hmm. you're really individualizing and understanding yourself mm-hmm. and you're making your choices from there, not from some external information. Um, breath work, of course, mm-hmm. meditation, visualization, much bigger spiritual perspective. So if mm-hmm. I'm born into this body in this lifetime, which happens to be female, which means I'm going to have this wild hormonal experience, what can that mean for me? How can I use it for the deepest of my progression, which is spiritual progression, like the learning and the growth towards something more, you know, not so um, mm-hmm. of the conscious mind. Mm-hmm. And then we bring all of that together. So, I mean, that's a little snapshot of it, but it is very in-depth. And it also talks about just the historical conditioning so we can start to understand how we got to this place of being so disconnected from our own bodies. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that sounds incredible, by the way. Like, what an amazing course. To have some understanding about yourself, it's like learning about your trauma or just... It's all, I think this whole journey is really about coming back to yourself and understanding yourself and being in relationship with yourself because we are so disconnected from our hormones, from our feelings, from everything. The more that we can learn from all aspects, we're coming to an understanding of ourselves and we're back in control. As soon as we understand ourselves, we are more in control when we can understand our hormones and how it affects us and also how to use tools to, I guess, have a more even balance you know, like learning the breath work and the meditation, the food work. What a beautiful thing to learn. So I can learn to be in a bit more in, in balance, you know. That's right. That's right. It comes back to, like we said, right at the beginning, it's just zooming out. And that's what this course does. It allows you yeah. to zo- you're zooming into you as an individual to get to know you. Yes. But you're also able to zoom out from the mire, from that sticky mire of it all. So you can just really see what's going on from that, that mountain view. And you know, how am I in this? What are the, what are, what is, where do I want to be going and starting to kind of recalibrate your compass within it Mm. to make sure that you are heading in that direction. And you're not just being kind of hogtied and dragged behind your perimenopausal experience and coming out the end, looking like a bag of shit, you know, disheveled and, and wired and not sleeping. And because you've just been at the mercy of it rather than being a proactive participant in your own perimenopause. That's 
awesome. And also, would it have an effect? You know, a lot of women talk about the weight gain and the you know, the hot flushes and all those things and the insomnia. Do you think of, say, doing a course like yours and learning those tools and, and perhaps cutting out alcohol and all those things that would, you know, perhaps lessen the fluctuations? Does it lessen the fluctuations? Or the, uh, yeah. after, well, it doesn't lessen the fluctuations necessary of the estrogen because the estrogen's got to do its thing. The hormones have to do their thing, but just in knowing, first and foremost, that the hormones have to do their thing to come to a place where they level out to a lower level, and mm-hmm. that's the actual journey. That's the nature, just understanding that first and foremost. But there are so many aggravating factors in our life, from tiny, tiny ones to very big and clear ones like alcohol, mm. all day, every day. So imagine if you're refining and if you learn how to refine all of those little things and you're just moving one little aggravating factor away and then another and then another, and then another, Mm. how it levels out your experience. So the hormones can still be doing their thing, but emotionally, physically, physiologically, you're in such a more refined and sophisticated place. Mm. You're going to have a completely different experience. It's not going to necessarily remove all of the symptoms for you because they might have been set in motion from decisions you made Mm -hmm. 10 or 20 years ago or drinking in Mm. puberty. Mm -hmm can have an impact on your perimenopause potentially we don't know those things are too subtle yet to be measured by science and that long-term research doesn't exist Mm. but we've got all of these subtle threads within us that could be playing out so it's not about going okay we're necessarily going to be asymptomatic in this lots of women are though so it's important to mention that it's about being really aware and empowered proactively in this dynamic time not just letting it happen to you. There's only one custodian of your own body, mm. which is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're becoming more of an active participant a participant in what's happening. And then maybe your ass wouldn't get so fat. if you like, Could that be a thing? I mean, if you're eating better, you're making better choices, you're, you know, doing the breath work, doing the meditation, surely it's going to have some kind of effect on those symptoms. And if you're motivated, if you're, if you're inspired... You're, to, to be the best you can be, your exercise levels are more than likely going to rise through mm. that, not go down. A lot of it's going down because we're trying to adjust to new levels of or new ways in which energy is born from the body because we rely mm. a lot in our younger years on those hormones. But as they're shifting, we have to have new foundations of sustainable energy, which is the quality of our muscles, the quality of our joints to support the changing endocrine system, but to also find something deeper like life force Mm. beyond all of the hormones how much life force have i got in my body how much life force exists in the food that i'm eating was it picked yesterday or was it picked last year Mm -hmm. last year might still have vitamin c might have some folate might whatever but it doesn't have any life force in it Mm. if i'm doing good breath work and i'm bringing that life force consciously into my body And then I'm not disrupting it with something like alcohol or poor foods. I'm keeping the life force in my body. That's a much bigger reservoir of sustainable energy than estrogen or anything else. So Mm. we can, in terms of, you know, my ass widening. Your ass ass looks great, by the way. Thank you. I have been like getting deep into my squat fest. We've been doing (laughs) squat fest 2022 in our household, 40 (laughs) squats a day. Oh, my God, you are a machine. Um, it's my husband. And then he just drops and does his push-ups. I'm like, I do one. I'm like, ah, <laughs> shaking, laughing. 
But again, it's a thing of like, if you're proactively getting involved in your perimenopause in terms of the metabolism changing, because metabolism is thyroid, that's endocrine system. Mm. Of course, it's being impacted Mm. by the changes in the reproductive hormones. So the thyroid is changing and the thyroid is deeply impacted by alcohol. So be very aware of that. So alcohol affects metabolism because it dis- disrupts the T3 and the T4 hormones. Then their try- body's trying to respond, compensate. It will change your metabolism. So if you want to have good digestion, good metabolism, you've got to look after the thyroid. So this is changing, being affected as well during perimenopause. But if I'm responding by being more active in my body than I've ever been, and mm. I've got more mental fortitude because I'm older and wiser, then I'm going to come into pe- menopause and I'm going to look amazing. My ass is going to be up. My nipples will be facing towards the sky. But even if they're not, as long as you're in good health, mm. the best health that you can possibly be in because you're just refining all the time, making little choices, little changes, mm. fantastic. That's a really good result. Amazing. Oh, my God. Amazing. Uh, it's just, it's, this is such a huge conversation and I'm sure we're only scratching the surface of it, but I thank you again for your, your time. And obviously, and I also just want to mention your podcast, the Lissy Turner Presents podcast is going off. <laughs> it's going off. Thanks to you, Danny, is the fire under my ass no. cheeks. Thanks to you. Not the wind the... beneath my wings, you're the fire underneath my ass cheeks. I am a little bit bit Midler, aren't I? That's the red hair. It's just those, these motivational phone calls. It's just like, Lissy, it's time. I'm like, mm, okay, I'm, yep, I'm into that. And oh, it's given me such, it. you know, because I love, I clearly love a microphone. I love being a broadcaster. I don't like having parameters. I love being ever-changing. And, you know, this was born from you just going, just just do the, the bigness of, of the you thing <laughs> and not having parameters and themes mm-hmm. and I just being able to talk to people to the kind of depth that I, I love to talk to people mm-hmm. within. It's just been so thank you for actually instigating and getting me off my ass to do that. Well, it's so, I love it. I only did it out of my own personal interest. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are my favourite broadcaster, so I'm like, I really want to hear more. And I was lo- loving the Living Harmoniously podcast as well. My favourite one of that was obviously the one with Zenith Virago. Amazing. Oh, Anya Tyrrell. I mean, they're all amazing. They were great. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I've got to listen to this because she's one of my favourite humans. But I don't know the, the, men, the, the hormone talk. But I, it wasn't, I loved it. I was gripped on every single conversation. It was just amazing because you're amazing. The new podcast, Lucy Turner Presents, I love it. This last one with Jamie Milne. Oh, God, he's incredible. He is such a champion. I was, I was saying to, to Danny just before we got on this podcast, there's this funny moment at the end where I was just so overwhelmed by the awesomeness of Jamie. And I said, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever spoken to Jamie, was in this podcast. And I get to the end and I say, oh, my God, thank you so much. You're such a legend. I love you. But then I've put this person who doesn't even know me on the spot of telling him that I love him. And he's just like, oh, I love you too. And <laughs> But in such a beautiful way, he responded so, and I'm like, oh, my God, so kind to even reciprocate this crazy lady who's just, I'm in awe of him, and you're the great connector. Like, that's one of your great talents is that you are so incredible at bringing people together. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, just uh, his story, I love it. And he's part of the cast of our um, Messages from the Bottle, November the 15th. I can't wait to see him live. Everybody to see Libby O'Donovan and yourself and Lyndall and, yeah, and everybody just yeah. being huge. 
um, and being in the fullness of their their stories, like in a because something happens in a theatre space, right? Yeah. Where it just becomes so much more real and yes, and the and I'm so looking forward to the relationship with that audience in that. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Libby O'Donovan and I have, uh, and Ash have written a song, which um, we're actually going to try and record in the next few weeks and put out on Spotify so people can hear it and familiarise themselves and we'll have a good old so sing-along. I'll have to play you the song. It's it's really, it's great. I'm happy with it. Um, and that was a collaboration with us and it was it was great. It was a great experience too to sit down and write some music. I haven't done that for so long. And Libby's just so great to work with. She's awesome and... Yeah, she's amazing. Um, anyway, so tickets for that are on sale. Links in all the bios, you know, and that's through the Byron Community Centre. It's a Tuesday. Good excuse for people to come up to Byron and, you know, probably see us walking our beautiful Perry asses up to the lighthouse. It's <laughs> <laughs> November 15th. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait. And also, yes, yeah, so if anyone's interested in learning more about their hormonal fluctuations and perimenopause, get in contact with Lissy through her Instagram page. I'll put links in the website in the, amazing. In the show notes as well. And, you know, if anyone's interested in that amazing course, far out, what a great thing to do. So, yeah, get in touch with Lucy. And thank you again for your time. You're such a fucking weapon <laughs> of a human. And I oh, Well, you. thank you for letting me just talk about the things that are probably not as interesting to others as they are to me. But I hope that and really nerd out on them. But I really I do hope that I'm making hormones interesting in some way to to create some change so thank you so much for for allowing me the space to do that i think anything you talk about you make it interesting so that's fantastic and i just also (laughs) wanted to say like back talking about your podcast as well thank you for having me on your show to share my story and it was great i actually said to you it's like can we not talk about alcohol (laughs) no offense to everyone listening but it's like uh, because i've been on a few podcasts lately as well and talking about the journey and so it was really nice to talk about just stuff, just life and, and my life. And even though I thought no one's going to find that interesting, but I had so many messages and. Oh, it was so beautiful. There was that moment where I just sobbed into oh. the microphone. I'm like, is she going to edit that? And I remember listening to it. My bum was so tight. Like I knew the part that was coming up and I'm like, oh, she left it in. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> like, it's so, but that, that part, that's the part. And I don't know about you, but that's the part that I've gotten the most comments about, of course, yeah. of how inspiring and how beautiful you are, all of that. But that just hearing your heart, just hearing someone's heart, mm. just so open and the way that you described your love for yourself because of your love for your dad, like that was just, you know, that's the stuff that changes people who are listening mm. forever. Well, it was a very vulnerable moment, you know, glad I shared it. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. And you fucking just so amazing. I think you should start your own church. <laughs> Oh, no. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be so fucking cool. Well, like, we'd be dissolving patterns here. And we're fucking working out, working out hormones there. We're going to plant some fucking trees. We've got pigs. I think I've actually already done that out at the Prana Farm. I didn't see, I don't see it as a church, but I think that's kind of what's happened out there. There's a, a bit of... a statue of you there. Maybe oh. the tits out. <laughs> My nipples on a rib cage. <laughs> oh, you're amazing. Thank, Thank you, you darling. I love you. Love you too. Boy, boy. Ah, that was great. Fuck.
I just can go, can't I? Jesus Christ. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.